If you, by any chance, you forgot your Bibles, no, no worries. Most of the verses will be on the screen, but um, it would be my preference that you follow along, and I think you're going to get more if you are able to follow along. I want to welcome you to LifePoint. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here, and um, if you are following us, whether it's our Facebook page, YouTube channel, uh, hearing person, man, I just want to applaud you for being here. Uh, for tuning in and taking a little bit of your time to um, to uh, learn from God's word today, we're we're looking at one of those stories that's pretty obscure in the Bible, and uh, this one is it's like one of my favorites. Okay, now I you know you always hear pastors say you know every Sunday this is one of my favorites, and then the next Sunday this is one of my favorites, you know, uh, but this one really is uh, a really cool story. I think it's 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 one that that has actually spoken to me uh, many, many times, and uh, I hope that you enjoy it. So 2 Kings 6, 1 through 7, we'll get there in a minute. Uh, <clears throat> next week, next week, uh, you don't want to miss it, we're in a brand new series called The People Jesus Met, okay? The People Jesus Met, the tagline is, it's not what you think it is. So we're looking at some people who actually, we don't know their names, um, we don't know where they came from. We don't really know a whole lot about them. All we know is that they met Jesus and their lives were radically transformed. And so that is beginning next week, kind of leading up to, our, uh, to Easter. And so the people Jesus met, you don't want to miss. That will begin next week. Okay, so we are 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 1. Let's go. One day... A group of prophets came to Elisha. I want you to say that. Say it with enthusiasm. Ready? One day, a group of, of prophets came to Elisha. There you go. We often get the two names, Elijah and Elisha. We get them confused, okay? And hopefully, I won't confuse you because the times that I've talked about Elisha in the past... You know, one of the feedbacks that my loving wife gives me is like, hey, you interchange the name, so you confused me. And so uh, hopefully I won't do that. But who are we talking about today? Elisha. Very good. All right, Elisha. So um, one day a group of prophets came to Elisha and told him, as you can see, this place where we meet with you is too small. Okay, let me give you a little bit of the context so, so you don't get lost. Okay, so Elijah is the guy that comes after Elijah. Elijah is the guy that, like, he gets a lot of the, the attention, I should say. Elijah uh, calls, you know, from heaven and fire just rains down, right? He, he, he like, prayed this 60-word prayer and literally fire, like, he lit up the skies. It, like, burned the altar. It consumed the water around the altar, and it's like... Well, I mean, just incredible miracles. You know, I mean, it's like the firework miracles, uh, miracle worker of the Old Testament. Elijah uh, was, there was a time in the land when uh, there was no food. And the Bible says that ravens actually brought him food, okay? So Elijah, who came after Elijah, we don't give him a whole lot of credit. Elijah, we kind of ignore him a little bit, but he served longer. He served, I think it was like 45 years that he served. And he actually, Elisha, the guy we're talking about today, performed more recorded miracles than anybody else in the Bible, with the exception of Jesus Christ, okay? So, not the same kind of 
miracle worker as Elijah, but definitely was used by God. He ministered not just to the people, but also to uh, the people of Israel, but also to the leaders uh, in the nation of Israel. So Elijah was a little bit different, okay? Um, do you know anybody that's a little bit different? <laughs> do you? Turn to your neighbor and tell them to be a little bit different. Go ahead, go ahead. All right. Turn to the other one and say, hey, why did you pick me? <laughs> why not the other person? Um, so it's okay to be a little bit different. Um, that's, what, that's what you're going to learn today, all right? Um, so definitely capable leader, huge impact on the people, but his miracles were not the fireworks of Elijah. So what's happening in this story? Let me bring you up to speed. Elisha invested his time in a school of prophet. It's like a seminary, okay? So you have a bunch of young guys, college kids, college, you know, they're, they're training, they're studying to take God's word to the people. And they come to him and they say, Elisha, we're running out of room. The, the, where we're meeting, it's too small for us. Good problem to have. Like we're expanding, we're growing in numbers, and uh, we need to, f basically they ask them for, for permission to build closer to the river, okay? So look in verse 2. They say, let's, let's, uh, let's go down to the Jordan River where there are plenty of logs, and there we can build a new place for us to meet. It's like beautiful place, you know, prime location, waterfront view. I mean, like, there's no place like this. Let's, you know, uh, we would love to just go and, and build a new facility right next to the river. And Elisha, verse, the end of verse 2 he says, all right. He told them, go ahead. And I want you to see, uh, I want you to see Elisha's heart. Okay, if you're a leader, if you lead people, if you uh, maybe a businessman, businesswoman, and um, you work with other people, you're responsible to lead others. Um, I want you to see Elisha's heart because this should be our heart, right? Uh, a lot of times in, in our world, we, we deal with so much stress that it's really hard to be encouraging, it's really hard to, especially like if you have people on your team and they make mistakes and it's like, man, I don't want to kind of encourage them when they've made this mistake. But I think what you see here as far as Elisha is like he's always propelling his students forward. He's always trying to empower them. And so they come to him and I don't know that, you know, how like the tone is like if they were afraid or not, but they come to him and they have the guts to say, hey, we are running out of space here. Like, is it okay if we go and, and build a new building by the Jordan River? And they didn't know what he was going to say. And his attitude, his heart is like, yeah, sure, let's do it. You know, go ahead. And it's a, it's a very empowering thing. And I think that, that speaks to me personally as a pastor. Now, look in verse 3. They said, so Elijah says, yeah, go ahead. But they came back and they said, please come with us. Which I, I love that relationship, right? Please come with us, someone suggested. I will, he said. And so again, you can see his heart, right? Like he's thinking, he's probably thinking, okay, I get to hang out with the guys. I get to spend a little bit more time with them. I'm going to mentor them. I'm going to pour into them. So it's that, that's the, the heartbeat of Elijah. So verse four, verse four. So he went with them. And when they arrived at the Jordan, they began cutting down trees. So they, they're cutting down the trees to build the new facilities, right? Verse 5, key verse, so don't, don't miss this one, okay? Because you'll get lost if, you, if you're not penitent. So verse 5, key verse. But as one of them was cutting a tree, his axe head, basically, you know, like the top part of the, the axe, right? Like, you know what I'm talking about, like the axe head? 
at the middle part. Um, as one of them was cutting a, a, a tree, his axe head fell into the river. Oh, sir, he cried. It was, help me out, church. It was what? It was a what? Yeah, it was a borrowed axe. Oh, no. You know, th this young college kid says, now to you, to me, maybe not a really big deal, but actually this word borrowed in the Hebrew, it means to beg. That's the literal definition of the word borrowed. And so if you put yourself in his shoes, um, this is more than likely a kid that doesn't have a whole lot of money. Think back to your college days. You know, you got student loans. And, you know, you're eating ramen noodles, that's me. Um, and, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're always broke. Uh, you're always borrowing things, you know. Can I borrow the printer? Can I borrow the computer? Remember those days? Can I borrow your toothbrush? Um, <laughs> I never went that far, but, but you know what I'm talking about. You're always needing a ride somewhere else. And it's like you're just scrambling, right? You're always needing something. So this kid... Apparently, he's got some just good work ethics because he's got that axe and he's just chopping away. Man, he's cutting trees. He's just like, he's, you know, he's going to build this, this facility. And as he's cutting with his axe, all of a sudden the axe head, the axe head goes, splash. I would do that again, but I want to blow you away with my special <laughs> sound effects. <laughs> and he goes, oh, no, it was borrowed. It's not mine. And um, you may think, okay, what's the big deal? Well, in that day and age, to come across an axe, like to basically an axe was not something that you could just find. You couldn't, couldn't stop at the nearest Walmart or the nearest Home Depot and just buy an axe, right? And so for him, this was a big deal. Anything that was made out of metal, uh, instruments, uh, weapons, anything like that, super expensive. And actually anything to cut trees, you needed something that was made out of iron. And so that was even a more expensive metal. And so this is a big deal for this poor little seminary student. He's like, man, what am I going to do? I'm in trouble. On top of that, uh, if in this culture, if you ever borrow something for, from an individual and you didn't bring it back, you didn't return it, the law said it was really cruel. Like you, you were to suffer some big consequences. And so if you borrow something from somebody, you'd lost it or whatever happened, uh, you don't bring it back. The law says that you could actually be treated like a slave. So it was really, that, that was the, as big of a deal as, so this is like, you know, on top of that, you have the Jordan River, right? So he loses the accent in the Jordan River. And it's not like, like the Jordan River is not like the Virgin Islands, right? Like it's not like the Caribbean where you can see, you know, through the water all the way to the, like the seashells and the, your toes. Like the Jordan River is like, it's muddy, it's nasty. I mean, it's, uh, it's deep, it's fast, there's a current. And so not a good situation, okay? That's why you see him in the Bible right there saying, oh, sir, you know, exclamation point. It was borrowed. And so, uh, not a good situation, but look in verse 6. Verse 6. So here's where Elijah, Elisha, excuse me, Elisha, uh, does his thing, okay? And this is pretty remarkable. Uh, where did it fall? The man of God asked Elisha. Where did it fall? Where is it? Where did it fall? When he, I'm guessing the poor college student, showed him the place Elisha, watch this. Here's where the miracle happens. Now, if I'm honest with you, I don't really know how this miracle happened. Oh, like, you know, there's a lot of things that, like, they're beyond, even though the Bible is sort of a 
you know, like an old book. There are miracles that happen in the Bible that I, I look at and it's like, man, I don't know. And I just have to believe God at, at his word. It's kind of like, imagine if hundreds of years ago, somebody would have turned the, the, flipped the light switch, right? Like we can sort of explain it nowadays, but I still don't know. All I know is that if I flip the light switch, lights are going to come on. But I couldn't really explain in detail the science behind this. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to just read the verse. And, and I'm sorry, but I don't really know how the miracle happened, okay? But I'm just taking God at his word, okay? So where did it fall, the man of God asked. When he showed him the place, Elijah cut a stick, right? Threw it into the water at that spot. And then the axe head, watch this. The axe head floated to the surface. Can't really explain it, but this is what God's word says. Now look in verse 7. Elijah says, grab it. Okay? And the man reached out and grabbed it. Now, you're probably thinking, ah, oh, not that big of a deal, right? Like, not that, you know, Elijah... You know, he would have done like the fireworks, right? Like he would have prayed this massive prayer and a fish would have jumped out of the water with the accident in its mouth and handed it over to the poor college seminary kid, right? Not that really cool, right? Well, I still think that there's a couple of lessons that we can learn from Elisha. So I have two that I want to share with you today. The first one, the, the first thing that I think it's, it's interested in this passage, and you can write this down if you want, um, is that God often provides for his children through unusual means, okay? God often provides for his children through unusual means. So it's not the fireworks of Elijah, but God's providing in his own way, okay? And, and often, you know, like sometimes, have you ever watched somebody like, on the news or online or whatever, like they won the lottery. Like, and you don't know them, but you just, like, you know, it comes on record, you know, the, the highest numbers or whatever. And you, have you ever gone, have you ever gone like, man, I wish, I wish I could get, you know, $360 million. And you're like, wish, I wish I had just a quarter of that. You know, that would be nice, you know. Has, have you ever thought like that? Don't look at me like that. Like, am I the only one that thinks that? <laughs> you know, and you daydream a little bit. It's like, man, I wish. What would I do with $10 million, you know? 365 I can't even fathom that, you know. But um, I've, from time to time, I've thought, man, I would just wish. I wonder what life would li be like if I had all this money. And God may not uh, allow me to win the lottery. I don't play it anyway, but, um, but he has always provided for us, right? I've never missed a meal. Like, I have a wonderful family. I have a beautiful church, and I close on, you know, roof over my head. And so God often provides in ways that you actually don't see. That, like, it's through unusual means. And... I'm reminded of what King David says, um, Psalm 139. He says this, Oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. Watch this, verse 2. You know when I sit, you know when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. Our God is so great. He doesn't need to be right next to you, even though he's everywhere present. But he doesn't need to be everywhere present to to understand where you're coming from, what's, what, what, are, what are the thoughts that are entering in your mind. And, and then verse 3, it says, 
It says, you discern my going out, my lying down. You're familiar, let's say it together, church, with all my... Let's say it together, church. Rewind. All right. You're familiar with all my... There we go. Much better, much better. All right, good, 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 good. All right. So how do you... I don't know how you... I don't know how you process this, but here's, here's how I process it, okay? My relationship with God, like one of the things that I kind of like connect with God, okay, outside of church, just one-on-one with God is sometimes when I look up the sky, the stars, the sun, the moon, or whatever, it's for me, I think of my God as, a, as a, just such an immense, like it's just beyond my comprehension, right? Like, especially when I look at how big the galaxies are and how big the... And when I study that, I'm always lost in, in that, that thought, man, uh, my God is so big. And, and that's how I connect with Him. But what these verses teach me is that my God, even as immense and as big as He is, He connects with me on a personal level. It's just small details. Because, I mean, I mean, He, he says that, you, you, uh, oh Lord, you've searched me and you know me. You know when I sit. You know when I get up. And it's, it's all of it, right? It's the good and it's the bad. It's the moments of faith in my life where I'm like, yep, thumbs up. I'm going to tell the church I did this. You know, and pat me on the back, right? But it's the moments when I'm like, God, are you going to come through? Lord, I, where are you? God, why are you allowing this? It's all the moments. I search your hearts. I know where you're at, the good and the bad. And I'm here for you. And I want you to know when you're questioning where, where the next paycheck you know, is going to come for, to buy meals. You know, I went out to you the other day, and it was, it was like $27. I couldn't just for one. I was like, what in the world? What's going on with our world? And so if you're wondering, you know, where the next paycheck is coming, if you're wondering maybe cancer has hit your family, and you, the future is unknown, I want you to know that this big, immense God that we serve is concerned about the minutia of your day. Nothing escapes him. Not good or bad. The good thoughts, the bad thoughts, do not escape him. You have a headache? God cares. You... Um, You've got a chemistry test coming up this week, and you're freaking out. You feel like the, the world is going to end. God cares. You, um, your car won't start in the morning, and you don't, God, I'm just trying to make it to church. Please help me with this stupid car. You know, God sees you through that situation. You, you're on the phone like I, uh, you know, have you ever been on the phone, and, and like you're looking for your phone, and you're like, where's my phone? Where's my phone? Has that ever happened to you? This happened to me recently. <laughs> Amen. Uh, recently, some, I don't know what I was, I don't know if it was my car keys or my wallet, but I was like running frantically, like, oh, where am I? Where's my wallet? Where's my wallet? And one of my kids looked at me, he's like, Dad, you, it's in your hand. <laughs> you know, your wallet is in your hand. So God may be laughing at you, but he cares. He understands your situation. You know, the Bible says, the Bible says, Philippians 4, and to me, this is kind of, a, if we can put it there, I mean, you guys are on top of it. Um, he, he says, it's sort of like an equation. I see it as a math equation here, like an algebra thing. 
Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he's done. Okay, so that's like the, the equation, right? Don't, you're not going to worry. You're going to pray about everything that you need, and you're going to thank him for what he's already done for you in your life, right? And then the next verse says the result of this equation is you're going to experience God's peace, okay? So it's kind of like this if we can look at the next slide. It's, it's a, bit, a little bit like this. He says, pray, pray. You have needs in your life, pray, okay? It's okay to, you have a headache, it's okay to pray about that, minute, that, that little thing that you don't think that, you know? Prayer plus, oh, oh, oh. prayer plus praise, what he's done in your life, minus worry, equals supernatural what, church? Say it, supernatural what? Peace. And in fact, if you read the next verse, it says this peace exceeds anything we, under, we can understand. So it's not logic. It's not like, you know, and I know, I'm, I know I'm saying it's like an equation, and it is, but it's not like math in the sense that 2 plus 2 equals 4. Because what God says is, you're going to pray about those things that you have need of. You're going to praise me for what I've already done in your life. So prayer plus praise minus worry equals supernatural peace. Sometimes you cannot explain supernatural peace. I have met with people who are going through tremendous grief. And I look at them, and I was like, I don't know how you do this. If, if I was going through what you're going through, I would be, like, crying like a little baby, you know? I would not be able to leave my home. But somehow God carries you through that grace and that peace, and it is supernatural. So you lost a loved one? God cares about that. You um, <clears throat> broke up with someone that, that you were falling in love with? God cares about that situation. You are, you know, cancer hit your family. You're, uh, you're dealing with teenagers, and it's difficult, and it's challenging. You're going through a divorce. Uh, God cares. The Bible says, Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is close. He's close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. So number one, let's review only two points. Number one, God often provides for his children through, remember it, through unusual means. God often provides for us through unusual means. Here's the last point, and then we'll be done. When God provides an open door, he expects you to go through it. And this is a challenging portion of the message, okay? Um, when God provides an open door, he wants you to go through it. Okay, let's look at verses 6 and 7 one more time and we'll be done. It says this, Elisha cut a stick, threw it into the water at that spot, then the axe head floated to the surface. That's the miracle portion, okay? Well, look at what happens next. Verse 7, Then Elisha said, What did he say? Say it, church. Elisha said, Grab it. Okay? The man... This is a poor college student, right? Reached out and grabbed it. So I want you to find someone. If you don't have anybody close to you, then just say it out loud. And I want you to say this to them, okay? When God provides an open door, say that to them. When God provides an open door, he expects you to go through it. In other words, the miracle, the miracle is yours. God just wants you to grab it. 
Imagine this story without that last verse, that last line. Like, imagine if that poor college kid did not grab it. Imagine if the prophet wouldn't have said, you know, it would have been a cool story. Oh, yeah, 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 you know, he, he made the accent, you know, not as cool as Elijah, but it's still a pretty cool thing. You know, how do you make metal float all of a sudden, right? But what I want you to see here, which I think is what speaks to me, is that God provided a way, and then he says, it's your turn now. God opened the door, and he says, okay, time to go through it. How about you? How about you? Let's bring it back home, right? Do you need to be reminded that God loves you? That he cares for you? That he is for you? For God so loved the world that he gave his only, right? You know the verse? For God, for God so loved the world. He's for you and he's for me. Do you need that reminder that he cares for you? Like what King David said? Are there doors that have opened up and God is like, okay, it's your time to go through this door. Now here's the, here's the beauty of it. You fast forward to the New Testament and you, in the same way that God used Elisha and a stick, a piece of wood, and in the same way that God took that little piece of wood and he raised it, he raised that axe head so that that young college student would not be indebted. In the same way, he used Jesus and another piece of wood, we call it, we call it what? The cross. And he raised him from the dead so you and I would not have the debt of sin. Bible says, Bible says the wages of sin is, is death. The payment, the debt. We've all, like we always say, no perfect people allowed. We're only here by his grace. And so God says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. The miracle is yours. All you have to do is grab the gift and say, okay, God, thank you. It's not up to you to, you know, like, you know, do, look, religion adds more to it. Faith just says, thank you, God, I receive it. And so how about you, with heads bowed and eyes closed, you want to see the power of God in your life? You need to go through the doors of faith. If you've never given your life to Christ, you can do that this moment, right now. You can just say, God, I turn to you. You don't need to be a theologian. All you need is just a little bit of faith. Some of you, you're, you're kind of going down a, the wrong path and you know it. This is a good time to reflect and this is meditation, right? You take God's word and say, okay, how do I apply it to my life? Some of you, you just need to say, God, Forgive me, I've kind of gone the wrong path. I, I just need to readjust. Some of you, you're, and I, I hope this doesn't come across the wrong way, but some of you, you're wondering why your finances are heading down the wrong way, and it's simply because you're not putting them first. 
in this area of your finances. The Lord's provided, and you're not going through that open door. And I don't, listen, I don't want to, I don't want you to think I'm preaching this because we, we're in trouble financially or any of that. It could be relationships. You're wondering why God is not blessing you in this area of relationships. And again, I don't want to be harsh because I struggle with all those things. But maybe it's because you're not putting him first in your area of relationships. I mean, you can take, you can put any word in there, right? Your career is not going to wherever you want it to go. Could it be, could it be that your focus is so much like your career, you know, that, and like, it's like, no, put me first. You need to sign up and serve. Serve me, serve me on Sundays. You know better. Again, don't listen to me, listen to what the Spirit of God is telling you. And I may be saying some things and God may be just speaking a totally different message. Listen to that. He says, if today you hear my voice, do not turn aside. Do not go in a different way. You may think that you're here because your mom dragged you out of bed. You may think you're here because your husband or your wife guilty you into coming. You, you may be here because you're you know, church shopping or whatever. I don't really think that that's the reason why you're here. I really believe with all of my heart you are here by God's design. It was God's purpose for you to hear this word. And I'm not talking about here, here in person. I'm here. Like you're listening to this message, this strange story, because God has a, a message for you today. And that, that message, that reminder is that I always provide for my children. Always, always, always. Sometimes I do it through unusual means. Yeah, sometimes I use fireworks, but sometimes I just use a common man like Elisha who, who just cut a stick and made the axe head float. That's who I am. It's not about how spectacular the miracle is. It's about the, the one who provides. So maybe you're here just to know. That there's an open door that he expects you to go through. And that's your call. Miracle is yours. God just wants you to grab it. How many of you would say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I'm going through something right now, and it's going to take a little bit of courage. I can hear him saying this. I need to do this. You raise your hand here in person, whether you're following us online. Pastor, would you pray for me? There's, an, there's a clear open door I just need to go through and I just pray that I have more faith pray that I have less fear pray that I would have less doubt would you pray for me, anyone else, would you raise your hand God, you know our hearts we lift our hands towards heaven as a sign, as a symbol that we're desperate for you as a, as a way of reaching out to heaven even though you came to us there's no necessarily reaching out that we have to do. We're just, we're just accepting. And so would you help us, God, whether it's finances, whether it's health, whether it's kids, whether it's divorce, relationships, career. God, we ask you for help today. Thank you for the miracles in front of us. Help us go through the open doors. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand. I want to I do something. I don't always do it. I didn't do it in the first service. But if you feel led to get on your knees, 
um, just want to open that up for you. Um, so I'm going to get down here. And I'm just going to, in my heart, something happens when I take that step physically. Often my heart follows. And so I just want to, I feel led to do that today during this song. If you want to just pray about something that's heavy in your heart, you come, surrender it to God.